Eagle has landed. You're listening to American Slacker Podcast with Matthew Gertz and Jesse Landers. Welcome back to American Slacker Podcast. As always, I'm one half of your host, Matty G. Other half sitting right here, I'm Jesse, and today we're joined by our fantastic guest, the host of Your Favorite Blockhead. Thanks for coming on the show, man. And it looks like you guys have finally wised up to move away from amateur hour and finally have somebody on that can actually <laughs> attract people to your show. You know, it's funny oh, how Jesus. finally we have people who understand that you have to track flies with honey more than you do with vinegar because your favorite blockhead sure seems to be a sweet escape for your American slacker listenership. So tune in. We're going to have us a good time. Hey, I man. didn't know we were cutting heel promos coming in. Damn, dude. <laughs> hey, we get, we finally got the infrastructure now, there to deal with the flu- influx of a uh, fandom that's going to come from having you on. All right. That's what it was. We needed to prepare. If you want oh, to throw yeah. a hashtag grain of salt on the end of that, that's fine. Hashtag <laughs> grain of salt. You better prepare for some loose cannon, Brian Pillman, or a little bit of American gangster chill son. And you'll get a little <laughs> bit of both of those worlds coming from me. I love it. I love it, dude. Keep come up that heat, baby. So uh, <laughs> give our, give our audience a little bit of an idea what your, uh, what your show covers. Well, I guess to start off with is um, I got into podcasting about 2016, and my show is called Your Favorite Blockhead. Now, the truth is, before it became a podcast, it was actually a blog. If you remember back in like 2011, 2012, nobody really knew what podcasting was unless you were Joe Rogan and you were experiencing Adam Carolla. And I started blogging with Your Favorite Blockhead, the blog. And then eventually, come 2014, there was this podcast episode that I'll never forget that really got my attention and believe it or not it was a wrestling podcast it was the art of wrestling with Colt Cabana and he was interviewing mm-hmm. CM Punk and talking about all he'd gone through when he left the organization and I really just started to go okay how does this stuff work and then I kind of started listening to the MMA podcast you're welcome with Chael Sonnen now I am yep. a huge Chael Sonnen mark like I'll, I'll tell you right now as far as his in-ring ability, yeah, he's a wrestler. He's a takedown artist. But in many ways, his his skills behind the mic are kind of what you just heard in that promo that I just cut at the beginning. But uh, he, And also, if you know, he goes on the Jim Rome smack off every year and usually gets about mediocre rankings because Jim Rome has, gets his little snowflake feelings hurt along the way and he can't <laughs> handle what Chael's dishing out on him. But I started listening in 2016 to You're Welcome and how it worked. And I started hearing – okay, this is a guy who's a celebrity, but he does a lot of these uh, promo codes for these different companies. I started hearing host bread ads. I started seeing how he did. And I went, okay, I want to give this a try. So I started my own show. I took the blog and turned it into a podcast. And I'm like, okay, what's going to make my show work? I am a huge Peanuts fan. I've known it my whole life and I could talk about it day in and day out with anybody. But also what is my sport? Well, my sport was obviously mixed martial arts. I am a fan in every way, shape, or form. So I kind of took the both worlds in the beginning, talk something peanuts, then then talk something about current day mixed martial arts. And that's about where we are today. But at this point, I, you know, I'm not trying to brag, but I have had some big names on my show. I've had three MMA fighters. I've had UFC fighters Sam Alvey and Joe Stevenson from the second Ooh. Ultimate Fighter. I've had another MMA fighter named Jose Torres, who used to be in the UFC, now is in Brave Combat Federation. I had uh, AJ and Jeremy from the band Lit, for, you know, My Own Worst Enemy. I had them. Oh, hell yes. yeah. And come on, so, how are you going to not? Yeah, come on. Yeah, I talked who to doesn't them. know they, that song? Cool. 
they were great guys. They really were. They were awesome. But part of it is because I bought their coffee and then I was like, okay, they bought the merchandise. And somehow they said yes. They gave How me was the coffee? The time. I, honestly, it wasn't bad. No, it was not bad. I can't remember the name of the roast at this point. It's just been a minute. But yep. that's kind of what got them on. But even then, that's not even my favorite episode. My favorite episode to this day is a friend of mine named Dan Hurd. He is part of what's called Ride with Dan USA. He's riding his bicycle across America to raise suicide awareness. He was recently in an accident. He's getting back on the road at some point. It's just an incredible story. So episode 120 of Your Favorite Blockhead will always be my favorite episode. Shameless plug. But at this point, I'm also building a network at this point. So I've got a whole bunch of guys that are on my network that are like five or six of them. I ended wow. up picking one one up in Long Island, New York, known the Grind the Grindhouse Radio. They've all been on my show a couple of times. So they're part of the network, a couple other guys that are coming up, and the YFB network is starting to fall into place. And uh, that's about where we stand to this day. That's Good. awesome, man. Busy guy. That's busy, busy. Yeah, progression right there, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Teacher what made you think week, about starting teach, a network? Teach, teacher by day, podcaster by weekend, and it's it's pretty uh pretty intense uh, schedule. Oh hell yeah, man! I, I'd imagine, dude, teaching is a fucking that's a that's more than a full time gig alone, mm. and then doing podcasts and podcasting never fucking ends. That's what podcasting is. Like you're always podcasting. Like you just might be Feeding doing your beast. job and never to podcast. You know, do a little fucking networking on the med. You know, uh, Insta maybe whatever. But uh, how, how did you like come across the idea you wanted to start a network? Well, part of that is because there were a couple of guys that, you know, I'm again, try not, not, try, not trying to sound prideful, but they started listening to my show. They started seeing the names of people that I had on. They started sharing my stuff on Facebook and Instagram. And they're like, I want to give this a try. So a couple of them started from the beginning. They, I met with them and said, OK, here's a couple of things you need to consider. You know, you get what you pay for. If you do anchor.fm, no shout outs to anchor.fm, but if you don't pay any money, you're going to get what you pay for. If you do things like brush sprout or blueberry, then you might have a little bit better um, ability to put that out to Apple and Spotify, you know, and I started having these little sessions with them and they started doing their show and they went into the same type of leisure and society and culture, recreational things that I do. Like one of them started doing motor racing, the burnout with Chris Barnett, shameless plug. He does everything NASCAR and motorsports and even uh, supercross, things like that, monster trucks. So he's got a lot going on in his world that he just got started. Another one is called Loud and Opinionated. Now, he does a lot of professional wrestling, but also he'll do sports and get, you know, he's really good when he has a lot of people on to bounce ideas off with, kind of like you guys. He's good on a round table, you know, by himself, flying solo. He's still kind of getting the gears going a little bit. So those two started one by listening to my show and getting ideas. A couple other guys out there had started, but it was one of those, now we keep each other accountable. So don't think the network is about monetizing and trying to become super podcasters up there, Joe Rogan stuff. This is more about accountability and being able to actually build your audience. So the more people talk about it, more they cross promote, then the more you have people listening, then, you know, they start getting merchandise and they start you know, shooting for sponsorships on their own. And maybe we can get one for the network down the road. I tried for one. I tried for getting a sponsorship for the network with the company that does Dustin Poirier hot sauce. But they're a small group and they just can't keep those hot sauces on the shelves right now because of Dustin Poirier yep. knocking out Conor McGregor. So they got other fish to fry at this point. Yeah, never, never, never thought. I mean, I feel like they never thought that was going to happen. I mean, it's superstar like that. Poirier is a great fucking talented artist. Gregor's got a lore about him. I mean, talking mm-hmm. about the Chelsea and I mean, Gregor learned everything he knows from Chelsea. 
on the mic. Exactly. You know, yeah. you know, he took it to a second level and he took it to a different um, level of marketing. So I give Chael the uh, foundational work, but when it comes to mm-hmm. Connor has got just a following all to his own. And for a guy who is so likable to be the mm-hmm. one that does it, I mean, Nate Diaz is understandable. Yep. Khabib is understandable, but you know, Dustin Poirier being able to have his got a friend over here coming by. Oh, uh, we all got him friends. to have a second chance. But that's what the great thing about it is Dustin Poirier and Connor can easily do a third time around. They're one for one now. Uh-huh. So that's an, yep. that's easy to do. Even even Nate Diaz, really if he would show up to the table, yes, if you show up to the table one for one, you go to the rubber match. And that's just uh-huh. wrestling talk at this point, you know, collegiate style wrestling. But either one of those work at this point. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, it's been I am I'm so thrilled that Dustin Poirier had his moment and that guy having so much money going to the Good Fight Foundation. Yep. Man, it's just He's a good it's dude. uplifting, great dude. so inspiring. Just a great oh, dude. Yeah. And don't feel bad about the hot sauce thing. Butcher Box still won't let us sling bacon for him. I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I have baptized so many pieces of chicken express in that Dustin Poirier hot sauce, man. I can't <laughs> even tell you. I'm literally eating it red. So, and, I, I, and when it was out of stock, when, when it came back in stock, I've already ordered another one that's on its way to the Blockhead Mansion. So I can't wait till it's back in my pantry. Damn, dude, oh, nice. you're making making a big claim for this hot sauce. I'm going to have to check yep. it out for myself once it's back in stock here. Hell yeah, yeah. I'm Tell curious. Eatingist.com. That's another, you know, they're doing they they did a they did themselves a disservice because I'm already talking on one of the biggest known Instagram podcasts I know of. So Heatness.com, <laughs> you should have taken me up on my offer because I'm they plugging for free the Dustin Poirier Louisiana style hot sauce. They should have, dude. We're gonna actually they have owe you a few cases about. at this point. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. Yeah. Yeah, so, man. so okay. your where where did your uh your love of the peanuts come from? I think that goes way back as far as when I was a kid. Back back in the 80s when you had this thing that most generation doesn't know about, the VHS tapes, there were a lot more TV specials that came out when I was growing up. They, the mm-hmm. comic strip was in full circulation in the Sunday comic strip. And I'm sorry, if you read the comics, you had about three big worlds to look into and you were either a fan of one of the three or all of them was the Peanuts Calvin and Hobbes, which is a yep. lot more of a spicy style, and Garfield. I mean, there's plenty of other okay, comic strips okay. in there, but those are the top three. I was waiting for an find. amazing Spider-Man toss in there, but okay, I'll for for that genre. You know, that now, thing. comic book, that's a different story. I mean, as far as what came in the Sunday comic strips is more what I'm talking about. We we had a three Agreed. panel. Yeah, it, we had a it, three or four panel. It was Spider-Man. limited though, Spider-Man. It was, it was, yeah, it was, it was very was, yeah. It was like small sections of a far, a larger book for sure. Yeah. But yeah, we I did rest my that. case. So it, it, again, not to disparage any other comments, they're they're all there. There's plenty of options for people, but those three just tended to stand high above the other ones most of the time. And you were reading at least those three by the time you were done with the comics. Now in the TV series back then, you had a lot more specials that were on CBS and I think maybe on ABC. And there's a couple of them that have not even aired. But I still know to this day, people know about the Christmas one and the Thanksgiving episode and the Great Pumpkin. Yeah, they know those three for the holidays, but they have no idea about Snoopy's brother, Spike, that was in a TV show called It's the Girl in the Red Truck, Charlie Brown. Horrible acting, but I will tell you that that Spike was a very special representation of Needles, California, where Charles Schultz lived. I mean, so... There's, I was gonna say VHS specials. I've been yeah, to Santa Rosa and seen the the big peanuts uh, statues that they have there. You, you've been inside the Charles Schultz Museum. 
Um, I think it was outside of there because I, I work in in the area, so so I've seen the larger um, like Lucy and stuff like that outside. Selfishly, that is one of my goals to be able to take my wife, the little redheaded girl, to California. We're gonna spend some time in San Diego, obviously, but take a day trip up to Santa Rosa mm-hmm. and actually go into the Charles Schultz Museum. And one way to do that faster is for people uh, to celebrate this podcast. In other words, go to my social medias, go to my merchandise shelf, shameless plug, go buy some t-shirts, go to my Kofi account and give me a cup of coffee. Those things are going to happen a lot faster mm. to get us out there to the Charles Schultz museum. The more people hear this and more they contribute to the show. Selfish plug. That's a good, hey, no, that's yeah. a great goal. Yeah, man. Yeah. And I, li- we live in an, the age of like doing things like that. Like the, the, you got to get that out. Otherwise, making it never, happen. Yeah, making it happen, man. Hell yeah. And people are definitely going to want to see that. So they definitely want to contribute. You know? Fuck yeah, man. It, it, it's a cool little town. I'll tell you that. I mean, the reasons I've been up there are usually because towns near it are on fire. And I'm covering that for my day job. But um, the the times that I've gone up there to have like wine tasting and stuff like that, I've, I've actually really enjoyed it. It's a it's a cool little area. And uh, I never knew about, you know, the connection to Charles Schultz until I saw those statues. And I asked one of the people who worked at, I think, City Hall. I was like, what's up with that? And they kind of told me the connection. So I knew I had to bring that up when we were talking. <laughs> no, I'm glad you did, because truthfully, that wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for his widow, Jean Schultz. If you, and she has a blog that's up on, on SchultzMuseum.org. Uh, so if you want to follow anything on her, that's another shameless plug. I don't care. I don't want any credit for that. But people should be looking at what during COVID, they did a very special Happy New Year thing where they were like toasting root beers and things like that. And, you know, having like a, a virtual tour we can go in. Oh, yeah, it's incredible. But to be actually able to experience it one day um, is going to be. But I'll tell you what that means. That means travel. You know, it's going to be the plane ticket from Texas. It's got to be the hotel stay, the rental car to be able to get out there and just even the entrance fee. So, like I said, that's a pretty big goal on our end to pull that off. But like I said, you know, maybe one day it'll happen. You know, it's just, Mm -hmm. you know, right now the podcast has been more about just being able to do what I love. Like I get to get on and be on the microphone. And like I said, growing up, growing up with all those specials, I've got so much knowledge up here Mm -hmm. from episodes like that people don't know, like race for your life, Charlie Brown. It was a short summer, Charlie Brown. It's a mystery, Charlie Brown. I mean, the list just goes on and on and I'm very familiar with all of them. And it's it's such a wholesome part of like Americana too, because like yes. so, it, it touches people. Like, I mean, there's I know families that literally will watch, you know, uh the Thanksgiving special or the Christmas special as part of their holiday traditions. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's important that you know people are actually keeping keeping up with like the the lost stuff, like the half the stuff you're talking about, I have, I've never heard of. And Jess, I was gonna say it's like important part because you're like a historian almost at this point a podcast historian yeah, it, because you're keeping this in place for the youth to like understand and maybe get into. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and I don't mind doing that. Like I said, I don't blame anybody. It just kind of was one of those when you had all of them on VHS and they were all on, you know, on tape, I can rewind them, watch them anytime that I want to. I knew the comic strips very well. And I, I remember what seeing the very last one in February 13th, I believe it was 2000 when he had just passed away from his last uh, comic strip. I had that for years and now it's easily easy to find online. But uh, I also have proof that Charlie Brown did kick the football. Everybody says he never kicked it. Yes, he did. He kicked really? it four times. Oh shit. Yeah. And in the debate right it's, now. It's in the episode. It's magic. Charlie Brown. Snoopy does a magic show. He, I'm going to give it away because not everybody's going to go follow it. He <laughs> makes him invisible, but something goes wrong. Oh. Like there's a big thunderstorm. 
and he he's invisible. So he's walking around feeling sorry for himself. He can't find Snoopy. And all of a sudden, who's standing out in the middle of the woods looking stupid, flipping the ball? Lucy. Well, it's payback time now. So if you count how many times he kicks it, freaking her out, it's four. But at the very end, he's going for the ball one last time. Snoopy's there with the magic spell to make him reappear. So you watch him in slow motion as he misses the ball at the end. He's like, I did it. I kicked the football. She's like, no, I didn't. I pulled it away. He's like, I did and I was invisible. She's like, you have no proof. And that's about where it stands. The viewers can prove it at this point. They just watched that episode. That's funny. Yeah, I never realized there was a moment he had. Like, I was one of the people that thought he never kicked the football. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get it. Most of the time, he doesn't. Most of the time, it just shows his perseverance. There even was an episode of the Super Bowl. There was one of them competing to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. It was a punt kicking uh, pass contest. Huh. Now I'll give you since since you had some uh, self plugs there I'll give you my one uh, family tie to the peanuts. Um, so in the Thanksgiving special, they reference uh, someone falling off the Mayflower. That's my relative. I'm related to uh, John Howland, I believe is his name. He's one of the people that came over on the Mayflower, fell off on the travel over, and they reference him in the Peanuts Thanksgiving. How did you? How did your family make it then? If he fell off and died? Well, he got back on. He just like oh, okay. no, he, 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 fell he, over he went overboard. Yeah, he went yeah, overboard. They were able to circle around and get him. Okay. okay. And Matt, yes, does that not sound like of him? Does that's that a total like one stream, of my, honestly. my relatives. Yes, that's a lander stream. It's so awesome. You know, they almost, and also circle around. Lander's off board. Yeah, to throw some extra history, they almost blew up the the Mayflower as well. It almost didn't make it because there was this one kid that was down playing around around the gun barrels and. He, oh, he fired his, you know, just basically in getting into mischief. And if Man. he had fired the gun just enough for those sparks to go into the gun <laughs> near barrel, the gun barrel, oh my god, yeah, the, yeah, gunpowder, oh. ship to smithereens. That, yeah, that could yeah. have been a, was a Landers as well. Yes, John Howell was mentioned. <laughs> it could have been the younger course. Landers on the pl- on the fucking. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Funny enough. <laughs> Yeah, that was one of the. I've always had a penchant for fireworks. You know, Landers family almost fucked up the whole pilgrimage to America. So speaking of history, you're a history teacher in your day job, right? Yeah, I teach uh, sixth and seventh grade social studies. Uh, I I teach the grade where people look at me and go, bless your heart. And I say, hey, somebody's got to do it. Uh, (laughs) You you know, my my wife, uh, the little redhead girl, I call her. She teaches the babies over in second grade. I teach the ones who jump in their body at 12 and 13 years old. Yeah, I keep about 20 of them plus seven periods a day and. You know, that's like I said, I could come out and vent about it in the weekends, but I choose to do my podcast on things I love, like peanuts and mixed martial arts. And yep. I'll throw in some history references every once in a while. But mm-hmm. uh, overall, I enjoy the content and I do like the kids. It's just, you know, some days it's really tough and but yeah. somebody has to go in and teach them. Hell yeah. I bet some days you're like, I want to make a podcast called those, called those little bastards. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's me and a teacher it. personality. <laughs> That's after Those retirement, Matt. <laughs> I may or yeah, may not be talking about kids that I teach. <laughs> yeah, since I live in education uh, fishbowl, I have to be careful with the verbiage I that I use. So <laughs> if you look at my my podcast, there's very little times that you'll find any explicit content. That's not because I'm not wanting to do that. I think there's something wrong with it. It's just one of those, I know that these things oh. can fall on, on oh, somebody's yeah. desk, and I got to be careful with it. But these other guys in the network, I don't care. You know they they have their own um, their it's own content. They 
So exactly. This is going to be so, the, the only clean or non-explicit episode of American Slacker. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so. And again, that, that's the thing about it. It doesn't fit who I am. It's like, have you ever seen uh, the Blue Collar Comedy Tour? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. That's kind of an example. I guess you can say I'm kind of the Bill Engle out of the guys in the network because, you know, Bill Engle made a comment about this where Ron White went up one night and was just explicit across the board, had him die. He was killing it up there. Really? Bill tried to come in and tried to do this really dirty bit, and they all kind of went deer in the headlights. You're Bill Engle. You're saying stuff around my kid. And, you know, like, we trust you. Wow. He saw it, and they kind of – Reversed at 180 and went back to his old content, and he was just and and he and he slayed the room. So his his point was, don't try to imitate something that's somebody else. You know, you got to as cliche as it is, you got to be you. And with me, it does it wouldn't work anyway. And second of all, it's just one of those you know, as an educator, I got to be careful who my content, whose ears they fall upon, because a lot of them are friends of mine. I'm teaching their daughters and their sons now at this point, and. You just got to be, and they don't have to worry about it if they turn me on, mm-hmm. which is okay. You know, everybody to each his own. We all have our own flavors in podcasting, but this mm-hmm. one works pretty well in my world. Well, I mean, you're you're absolutely right on that because I have heard feedback from some of our uh, more more avid fans who have said, "I love listening to your show, but I'm driving around with my kid, and you and Matt are just like." F this, F that shit. Oh, piss fuck that, dude. <laughs> fuck that for real. Like, I mean, we're, I mean, no, I they're clearly, aware of it. They're aware was, of it. You I was know? avid on getting that maturity yeah. badge on the podcast <laughs> because I wanted to, to warn off all the children. You know what well, I mean? And it's, it, it is a <laughs> brand. Yeah, you've given like, your disclaimer, and there it yeah. is. You know, oh, hell yeah, dude. It, it's totally a brand decision. I mean, that, that Bill Engvall story is yeah. like spot on to, to you know, hit hell the nail yeah. on the head for that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that's, that's important. I mean, to your career, which is more important than the podcasting, like you got to be strict about that. Like I, mm-hmm. I living with a teacher, I understand that all too well. I mean, the smallest thing could get you in the deepest shit. So. Very true. Oh yeah, man. Now, until I, the day and, comes that I get like a, at least a five figure income from doing the podcast. <laughs> hey, Spotify's handing out those hundred million dollar deals. Yeah, right. dude. I know, right. But, 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 <laughs> but if that ever levels out somehow, if it ever levels out somehow and somehow Dustin Poirier decides to send a nice little uh, commission for, uh, the, <laughs> for the hot sauce, then that might be, we have, might have a very different discussion. But until hey, that if that happens, goes, you better send us some hot sauce, dude. I'm <laughs> telling you, man. And, and again, it's an easy plug. Edenist.com. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Dustin Poirier. I might order some right now, dude. I don't know. I know, right? We're getting <laughs> incepted. You, it's, it's, I'm getting yeah, hungry. If you're, if you're an extremely hot, it wouldn't be up your alley. If you're just like a mild kind of person that you could trust to like cover whether it's your chicken or whether it's your tacos and you're not going to burn your mouth off. Yep. It's, it's right up your alley. I, I love this hot sauce. Man. Nice. Oh, okay. So it's, it's not overbearing. Okay. I like no. that. It's got a nice flavor to it. Good flavor. I'd imagine. I like flavor. Flavor is my key. Like I don't care how hot it goes as long as it's got a flavor to match the heat. I, I, I don't want to, you know, come back and eat my own words, uh, lack of a better term, but I, I will put out to anybody that if I could completely baptize my, fried chicken in the name of Dustin Poirier and be able to handle it, I think you'll be okay on, on when it comes to flavor. Nice. Okay. Awesome. I dig it. I'll definitely try that. These are untethered conversations at the back of a bar. These are the things that we oft leave unsaid. These are the lost signals we put out into the ether. With discussions on video games, movies, literature, philosophy, philosophy and more, The Lost Signals is a podcast platform for interesting analysis of pop culture at large. Founders Scott Thurlow 
Stephen Hermosi, Jonathan Ian Manzer, Chris Morgan, have produced a steady stream of content since March 2015 to bring our unique views and ideas to our audience. On one of our recent episodes, we got a chance to talk to the founders of the company High Stick. The guys at High Stick were uh, educating us on the difference between Delta 8 and Delta 9 THC. And uh, Delta 8 is available in the majority of the states legally in case you're having any issues trying to get a little bit of a cannabis product. Yeah, it's a natural derivative of cannabis, kind of like THC. Let's let the uh, one of the founders explain it. I, I always explain it to people like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You've got CBD, definitely beneficial, too cold. You got Delta 9, traditional cannabis, definitely also beneficial and very popular. Uh, Delta 8 is just right. Their lab tested and certified products offer quality that you can trust. Use our code SLACKERS at checkout and get 10% off all High Stick products. That's HighStick.com, H-I-I-S-T-I-K.com. Now, now when it comes to history, are you like, is that something you're just uh, absolutely interested in and you're, you're always like kind of digging into it or, or is that more Uh, your day job? I can't really turn my, if I turn my microphone, I'm going to mess up my audio quality, but I'm right next to my bookshelf over here. Yeah. Yeah. Let me put it this way. What happened is to take you back a little bit, I didn't know what I was going to do when I went into college. I just knew that I wanted, I thought about going into radio until I messed up. Let's put it this year. The four years I did in the United States Navy made up for the four months. I did absolutely nothing at an, at a Christian university in Texas. It's embarrassing to get that, that letter that says in the name of Jesus, please come back to our university when you've grown up a little bit. That's not what it said, but that's close enough. So, so I ended up going in the Navy. I ended up being stationed in San Diego and, you know, I love San Diego, but boy, was it expensive to live there. When I got out, I decided to use my post 9-11 GI Bill to go back to college. And uh, while I was there, I was like, okay, I probably need to go into education. I know that I can get a job in this. And I started looking into history because no offense, a lot of time history classes are going to have coaches teaching it. God bless coaches, but you got to have a, another alongside of that teachers who can really make the team work in this mm-hmm. department. Um, it just kind of happened. So I started really spending a lot of time learning. There was a really good group of professors that really inspired me. One who was world history, very old school, one who was American history, who was a pro Obama guy. So I got to see both worlds. I had another guy who was very philosophical uh, and I had one who was just the, the charismatic uh, American history teacher. So I started listening to what they had to say, started hearing what their book recommendations were. So I started going to the library like every weekend when people are out partying, I'm in the library learning who people like Gordon Wood are. And mm. you would know who Gordon Wood is. Have you ever seen the movie Goodwill Hunting? When he tears that <laughs> guy down Wood? in the bar, he mentions Gordon Wood. Yeah. Um, and I have most of his books on my Isn't shelf. Isn't that like right a, a tariff act or something like that? Um, Am I remembering that wrong? Mean? Gordon Wood didn't that have something to do with like tariffs? The pre-revolutionary utopian capital form and fix of military mobilization, and that's nothing that I've ever found Gordon Wood said. You found this guy's a teacher. Like he fucking corrected it in one fucking sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? And, and it's, it's in the movie if you watch it. If you watch Matt Damon go into this whole uh, debate with the guy. You'd have to go back and watch Goodwill Hunting, the bar scene. You sitting here spouting like, okay, off your Gordon Wood. And I found out. <laughs> I'm telling you, still see he, that blonde he dude. won the Pulitzer I wa- Prize. I watched It's Pulitzer Always Sunny. I watched It's Always Sunny, and they referenced it. <laughs> uh, for me, it was the uh, Jay and Silent Bob, like, uh, re- you know. Yeah, straight back where it's like uh, yeah. and Ben Affleck are in it and everything. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, it's hunting season. It's hunting season. <laughs> We're hunting too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he mentioned something about Vickers. I'm like, that's Daniel Vickers. It's, they didn't even get the name right. He called it work in Essex <laughs> County. I'm like, no, it's called Farmers and Fishermen. Work in oh. Essex County. <laughs> so I've done my research. I've done my homework, buddy. And like I said, it's one of those. As a teacher, I have most of these on my shelf. So if I don't know something about maybe westward expansion or the Civil War, I can just pull my books off and just pull them up and go, okay, that's what this is. So mm-hmm. yep. my knowledge plus what the school gives me, not not saying as a script, but, you know, we all have something that's like a focal document that we follow, mm-hmm. you know, on what it was our key vocab to cover. I'm like, okay. But I kind of match both worlds. I look at what they say and what the scholastics say. And mm-hmm. it works mm-hmm. out pretty well for me in that world. But I really do love American history. And Texas history is very much – American history in a different location. It just is. I'll tell you, like, as a kid with ADD, like, that was one of the subjects that actually grasped me. Like, I had a lot of trouble focusing in school, but, like, something about history, social studies, just grasped me. Like, the the understanding of, like, the people before you, I guess. You know, so I I feel like there's a very unique attachment to that to, like, anybody can get into. It's like, how can you not... It's more tangible. Appreciate it. Yeah, how can you not appreciate, like, your past as, like, a society? You know? Yeah, um, it was Gordon Wood that said history is to a society what memory is to an individual. In uh-huh. other words, if you don't know who you are the next day, you know, what yes. house do you in? Where's this street I live on? You've lost that. It's like that movie Memento. From hey, yeah. Perfect Ooh. example. You know, yeah. history. that's our nation in mm-hmm. so many ways. And, you know, kids love stories that are like more recent. Like when I start talking about, for instance, prohibition, I pull that. I say you in middle school, when you get told not to do something, what happens? They go. We do it anyway. Exactly. Mm. Americans do the same thing. When they're told not to drink alcohol, people are making a fortune in running rum, molasses to Canada. That's when they had the superchargers Mm -hmm. for the cars so they can outrun the NASCAR started from that. I mean, that. Yeah, (laughs) stock car racing. That's where stock car racing came from, yeah. The the bootleg turn. Yeah, it all started during that time period. And so it's the only one to be reversed, you know, to be the 21st Amendment where we do away with this. Because the idea is... You can't blame the alcohol. Alcohol is the symptom. It's not the problem. You can't no. just say every household has somebody who goes out and drinks and goes beat. That's not how it works. This is a case by case. But the temperance movement led to that. And then prohibition doing a blanket statement for everybody. Well, the president had a wine cellar. If he's not going to follow the law. <laughs> yep. Who the on. fuck should? Who come the fuck on. should? I was going to say, it's not a bunch of DGENs that are fucking taking part in Prohibition, either like the breaking the law of Prohibition. You have a lot of people that are classy. They just enjoy a nightcap, even with their friends. Like, you know, so a lot of people dove into that. I mean, yeah. even to this day, we're finding like these nice upstate mansions like in New York constantly that have like Prohibition, like hidden fucking areas or bottles still to this day. Well, well I'm like, even thinking the juxtaposition with that and the cannabis, you know, laws of today. Uh-huh. You're, you're, exactly. You're the same yep. kind of. Exactly, dude. Exactly. There it is. That's, that's it's called freedom of choice. I mean, even though it may not be my choice, mm-hmm. if it's your choice, who am I to interfere with, with that? As long you know, and, it, and it's such America. a great debate. Yeah. yeah, it's it's America. That's that's the story of us. It and seems like as long as, as long it. as the government gets a cut of it, they're cool with it. Though. They're cool with it. That's why they're starting to legalize <laughs> weed everywhere. They're like, oh shit, we can get a good cut of that black market. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful if you're investing in that, though. I've done a little bit of looking to oh, what yeah, you federal make is... if you invest in cannabis. You're pretty much gambling at that point. Oh, you're yeah. Better off and, yeah. You're better off investing in companies that you understand that everybody uses. You're better like off GameStop. investing in Microsoft. Oh, and God, stop. GameStop stop. is interesting with those. That's Main Street getting their hands in the cookie jar. I mean, that's yeah. the Reddit guys on Wall Street bets 
knowing when to pour it. But the problem is, even though you're going to have this nice little boom cycle, what goes up must come down. Yep. When you have all these margin calls and these options that you know you're counting on, it did you well for a while. But if you didn't exit right mm. when everybody was getting greedy. People about to start losing their shirts and think people like yours truly are going to walk in and go, yeah, I'll take this. I'll take that. I'll take, I'm waiting for a, a down cycle. Yep. Cause that's mm-hmm. when I'm going to be buying. It, it's, it's a funny one too, because like I, I bought GameStop back in like 2017, just one share off Robin hood because like sure. I've, I've played Xbox for like years with Matt. Like I've, I've we've mm-hmm. played actual consoles sure so i thought oh you know like it's it's a it's a brick and mortar like staple of video gaming so i'll buy one share because i was just getting into it and then this crazy shit takes off three fucking years later and i'm just like watching it go like a goddamn roller coaster (laughs) just be like oh well was that a good investment to buy you know back then well, you found something that had meaning to you. And that's also what it is. It's it's the simple idea of buy what you buy. If you believe in GameStop, then yeah, that one does have meaning to a lot of gamers. That does have a wide economic moat. Management, I think they can do a little better at this point, even though that that wasn't the management doing that. That was a lot of these speculators on Reddit. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you pay that's the part that makes everybody go yawn. I don't want to read people's 10Ks. I understand that. That's hard to do. Find one that has a good margin of safety. GameStop had that. For a little while, all I'm getting at is there are some other ones that are making 30% rate of return, and I happen to know what they are. We can talk about it after we get off the recording. Sorry. This is not investing (laughs) advice. It is not. There's my disclaimer. I am not your advisor. (laughs) He is your favorite blockhead, though. Uh, Indeed. so, yeah, you know, going back to the history thing, I, I think, like Matt said, history was always really impactful as a subject on me in grade school as well. Um, I think some of the most memorable lessons that I got were from history teachers. Yep. Um, just in terms of, I, I remember one of my history teachers, the last like thing that he told us before we like went on to our next grade, he was like, beware of xenophobia. Mm-hmm. Like he left yeah. it very cryptically, like written on the bill on the blackboard as we left. And then like, uh-huh. you know, and we're talking 2004, 2003, like yeah, yeah. Where the era we're in today where xenophobia is like addressed widely. Yeah, it's almost these reflections of of the teachers that I had, you know, kind of echoing in my head. And, and it's like, yeah, these lessons are really coming to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. Do you feel like you have that impact on these kids? I believe that if you want to hold middle school kids attention, you better be ready to be a storyteller. And that's one good yeah. thing about being a podcaster too, because it sharpens your polishes your um, your skills in storytelling. Because yeah. the thing is, in MMA, all the promotion out there is storytelling. Anything that I'm talking yeah. about with peanuts with y'all, that's storytelling. So if you you can talk cause and effect all day long, you can talk comparing and contrasting these different time periods and looking for the problem solution. But if you throw out the narrative, you're throwing out the baby with the bathwater. So it sounds to me like a lot of your teachers were probably good storytellers, or at least they were good at engaging oh, yeah. in a debate and, you know, knowing how to facilitate that. And that takes practice too. So it comes down to, I think if you want to get their attention, just like you would adults, be a good storyteller. And, you know, if, if you understand history, you do see things that are cyclical. Like we were talking about the stock market thing mm-hmm. um, in the nineties that they went bananas. It wasn't during the, because of the president, it was because of the dot com explosion yep. yeah. across yeah. everywhere. You know, this is just showing that even after post-COVID, that you better not bet against America. I mean, you can find that as far back as the Louisiana Purchase moving forward, or even further back than that. You know, even though we have 
are dark, dark chapters of American history, like the Trail of Tears or Wounded Knee, mm-hmm. then yeah, you, you take the good with the bad. And I'm like, if when people forget history, then we get into this political debate that we have that causes, I'm going to say it, all these snowflakes and people get up in their feelings because they want to get caught up in current events. I'm like, well, you, all you guys see is that this didn't work back then. It's not going to work now. Mm-hmm. Everything is very cyclical. Like, you know, you can look at the textbooks and see like, different time periods that reflect very well on the things that we occur on daily life, which is like, I think the most important thing about history is like, we got to learn from the lessons and try to adapt to our current situation from these. You yeah, know, so these if you are, didn't enjoy history class, you probably didn't have a very good storyteller. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet. Yeah. I mean, I, we've had both, honestly, I think we've, I, yeah. did you have Boucher Jess? Yes. Yeah, she wasn't the best storyteller. She wasn't uh, the greatest. No, <laughs> I just had a bad thing with her. But like, and then like my Beans. next year, my year before, were the best. Beans was like, really good. He was yeah, the he one. Was really he was good. the one I quoted before. Yeah, I had Mister Barry. Um, he was like I can still remember some of these guys' names, like just and they're only the history teachers because they made that connection. I feel now like. I, I remember Deans. He actually made a club where he play had us play a game that was like Risk. But he would throw and we would basically make our own countries and then he'd throw different scenarios at us like, oh, all of a sudden you're being invaded by the country next to you. What are you going to do type of thing? And you'd have to make a consensus with your group. And Yeah, it was really it was really cool, cool uh, learning processes, I guess. I will say on that note, I'm not exactly doing a risk, but I've actually asked my kids as of last week, we're going to try it sometime this year maybe not by spring break we're gonna try it i'm gonna try to do a social studies among us type of game they all know how to play and i'm like how do we pull this off they started saying okay let's do some tasks let's have teams you know my room will have to become where the emergency meeting is okay the accusations are we're gonna give it a try so there will be some type of you know your favorite blockheads social studies teaching among us style game that's gonna happen so it might be a total disaster we're gonna give it a shot yeah, and I asked them how to do it, and you know, because I know the game, but mm-hmm. they they're more thorough with it. So I'm like, okay, how can we make this work? They all gave me feedback, and I'm looking at what's the most majority rule, and we're gonna try it sometime in the future. And again, I think that the importance of that adaption of what is, you know, really important to some people, and bringing it yes. to attach it to the things that are like important to like keeping history intact. That's the key, man. And a lot of people don't realize that key, but it seems like you definitely have a good adaption, like a good uh, grasp of that rather um, in bringing that. Cause I mean, otherwise they're not going to relate dude. The the difference of like 10 years alone between like you and students is enough. Like it's crazy. Ten, you hang out with 10 year old, like younger than you. You're like, Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. We're on different wavelengths, you know? It's so to like make to that do, connection. Yeah, you're right. It yeah. uh, it's, it's not easy to do. I'm not going to lie. But yeah. also that's another thing that even adults don't seem to understand. Like for instance, everybody who gets bent out of shape, this is something I'm throwing out about Texas. People love to get on the second amendment and about our guns rights. And so that I'm like, guys, do you realize why that was written in the first place? This is a Texan saying this, that was written so that we wouldn't have colonists that were having British soldiers walk in their homes and take their muskets out of their homes. Yes. So you got to yeah. look at why it was written in current day context, none of these founders could have even dreamed about flying an airplane, much less drones who can fly in undetected. Into an <laughs> so you take the spirit of the Constitution in current day context, and mm. people just don't want to do that because that's a lot of extra effort. 
The Podworm Spacecast is a podcast hosted by seven lifelong friends who inject comedy directly into your ear canals every Tuesday. You may think seven hosts is too many for a podcast, but you may also think $5 is too cheap for a quality voiceover such as this. Yet here we are. Enjoy a clip from the critically acclaimed Podworm Spacecast. And I looked up, how do you fix squeaky shoes? And they said, you got to get some baking soda and you put it in the shoe uh-huh. and it absorbs like the moisture or whatever and it fixes the shoe. Boom. I went to the store across the street. I went to the bathroom. During lunch? <laughs> the bathroom in the store across this the street. This is emergency. This cannot wait till tomorrow. You, yeah, you do this at work? <laughs> I told you, yeah. I couldn't get off my desk. I'm so embarrassed. So oh. Andrew walked across the street. Wicked, wicked, wicked. It was more like, wicked, 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 wicked. And then the, and then he had to wait for the light. <laughs> you can find the Podworm Spacecast wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, keep squirming. Support for American Slacker comes from Manscaped, who's the number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. I don't know about you, Jesse, but I am sick and tired of being outmatched by these razors and traditional trimmers that you get in the store, and no matter what, they they fucking snag your nuts. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. They have a lawnmower 2.0 razor, which they have sent our way, has a proprietary skin-safe technology, so you won't get those nicks or snags on your nuts. Nice! Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Yeah, and with our 20% off code plus free shipping, you're going to be saving a bunch of money and getting some great products that won't end up uh, making it look like a war zone down there. All you got to do is enter Slackers at checkout. Manscaped.com. 20% off. Get your anti-chafing ball deodorant, your sweet lawnmower 2.0. Your nuts will thank you later. You can even rep them by getting yourself a Manscaped.com t-shirt. So head on over to manscaped.com, 20% off at checkout, enter code SLACKERS. Get your ball swag here. Mm, yeah. And there's a lot of, There's a lot to that debate regardless. I mean, that's a really loaded one, too. I'm I mean, sure in Texas, of- two of all places. <laughs> Woo! Rootin' tootin', baby. <laughs> yeah, Hell I don't yeah. mind you owning your guns, but I got a problem if you walk into my classroom with the one and try to say, this is my Well, right. that's the thing. is responsible gun ownership discussion. is very flexible today and as a gun owner uh, that aggravates me myself mm-hmm. like i'm all about right. the second amendment right i don't give a fuck about mm-hmm. the drone argument honestly personally because you don't want a drone that? To me. like wait the the whole well that's been the <laughs> argument for 20 years now is like they've got drones you know blah blah blah, blah. to <laughs> me that means nothing it's still the, the boys are going to be controlling those drones and they're not going to do that to you so it will become like something like that but Regardless, I mean, I think it just comes down to like everybody needs to be responsible with them. And furthermore, yes, dude, we need to be doing some better checks because, I mean, three days isn't enough for some dude to fucking change their mind. Honestly, in my opinion, uh, if they want to kill somebody, they're going to kill somebody. Yeah. You know, so like mm-hmm. that's loaded. loaded if someone loaded forgot opinion. their fries. They'll be back three days later. Yeah. And again, mm-hmm. I, I'm a gun owner. I love guns to death. <laughs> like I love shooting them, love everything. But I, I yeah. do think we're way too lean across the country. I mean, in Florida, I can go get a pistol right now. I could be back in like 30 minutes. Well, yeah. On. And that that's the crazy thing is it's worlds <laughs> apart. Like even from me going from New York state where like upstate, you know, people have shotguns oh, and stuff like that. Good, though. For deer hunting and stuff like that, but uh, and then moving to California where it's way more restrictive, 
And then Kelly's versus, the most restrictive, yeah. I was gonna say versus you, Matt, where you went from New York with that same area down to Florida, where it's a lot less restrictive. And then well, New Texas. York, I mean, you go to New York City, there's no guns anywhere in New York City. You're not allowed to have a gun in New York City's limits. So mm. New York has a very unique element as, as well. You can't overcalculate that part. But I mean, yep. it's yep. it's too regional for yeah, a country regional. that I could just drive across the whole fucking country. I did it last did. month. Yeah, two months did. ago. Two months ago, I drove up and down. See? I drove to New York and back one day. Connection. And, uh, dude, I could have had a fucking arsenal on me. And you know who? how many cops I saw? Probably five the whole drive. Mm. 19 hours. You know, very minimal. I mean, we are talking pandemic times, but I mean, I'm sure. not coming across checkpoints. I'm not coming across anything that could regulate one state's gun laws to the next. So, you know, I could just always take that trip if I'm a New Yorker, living in New York City, down to Florida, grab a pistol, come back up to New York City. Well, is that is that how the gun um, like gun shows work? Isn't that don't most of them travel? to like I sell? think they're getting better about the, the regulations about gun shows. But, you know, you go 10 years ago, you would be able to go to Pennsylvania from New York and just buy an AR without showing a license. Yeah, that you sounds do, about right. You can yeah. do that with fireworks, too. And you're not supposed yeah. to have those. Pa- fireworks, I'm all cool with people having. You can burn somebody's house down with. But a gun is a total different thing that you could shoot through the whole neighborhood. You could shoot through yeah. a line of 10 houses and kill fucking 10 people. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely. Guns are a little different. Do you yeah. do you deal with a lot of like these kinds of arguments in class or is it more to the book type of stuff? I, I hate to put it out there, but again, it's one of as much as I want to have engagements like that, we are often restricted on times when we have to do testing. I can't even tell you how many times I want to go do something cool. I want to take my kids to another room. Oh, we can't go in the, li- the library. There's testing. And, and it's a different one from what it was like two weeks ago. It's very different. Then all of a sudden the school will shut down for a benchmark, meaning a practice test. So I'm throwing it out there now as much as I want to be creative and do more things like this. We here in Texas are very restricted on our time because we get through a unit and next thing you know, it's test time. And then by the time you get to the end of the year, it's just one on top of the other. We have gone nuts. I want to say across the nation, but we've gone nuts in Texas with standardized testing. And again, I, I could debate it all day, but at the end of the day, our, our hands are often tied because of the time restraints. Does that lead to better teaching? No, ah, you're funny. Um, it does answer, teach the kids how to play the quiet game. Ask the, ask the hard questions. It, it, you know? it, it, does, it does teach kids how to play the quiet game in school. I can tell you that. That's the quietest you'll ever get at school mm. is when you have testing yeah. going on. Mm. You know, yeah. and, and, and like I said, I understand some of it to an event and to an extent. Like these kids that go on to college, they're going to know about midterms and finals, but yeah. they're not going to have this one on top of another, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, through the whole year. And like I said, standardized testing has been continuously a problem for parents, a a, a headache for districts. All you got to do is read some books by John Taylor Gatto. You'll quickly find out on how irrelevant most of it is. Wow. It's leading to a greater drop in like the average grade for every fucking school. Which it is. is crazy because like. The, what they're forced to do right here is they're forced to get to smash a curriculum into a very small window to get these kids to mm-hmm. where they know a whole bunch of it. And it's going to be so random to what the fuck is on that test that they have to cover such a big curriculum well, that they don't know what they're coming at. And these kids can't grasp it in time. And I was going to say, it sounds, like a, no. it sounds like it lacks. They don't have the brain so development well. for that yet. No, they don't. No, like, no. They're asking I mean, them questions are, that are on a ninth grade level and they're in sixth grade and yeah. they barely even have any social studies. Second grade is yeah. the same way. They're doing fifth grade. You know, it's like the same thing. It's like way 
fucking elevated, especially in pandemic time. I feel like we should relax. And this is not bit. even just my state. This is across the whole U.S. Yeah. Pe- oh, yeah. And you know what? I'll throw it out there. If you watch the Peanuts movie, animated movie, they have a moment in there where you hear the teacher go, womp, 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 and all the kids go, oh, not the yearly standardized test again. Guys, Charles Schultz had a way of bringing to light an American problem, but he did it in a very, I don't want to say passive way, but he did it in a very subtle style of way. You have to remember, Mm -hmm. Charles Schultz passed away in 2000. His brother made sure that the animated movie was followed to the style that Charles Schultz would would have it. Otherwise, they would have scratched the entire thing. Busai Studio would not have the animated movie if they didn't stick to exactly who Charles Schultz was. And they did. They did a fantastic job. But them saying that in that movie and Linus standing up and going, ma'am, will this test adequately assess what we've learned this year while Schroeder is playing his piano in the background? Hello, is that not a hint or am I just crazy? Yeah, no, yeah. spot on. Yeah, man. That's wild. That's five years ago and it's still going on just as much, if not more. Yeah. How, how, oh, does, yeah. It, how does it change? I think what happens is it goes from when you just have multiple choice. Now you have things like if you have students that are a different language, then all of a sudden you have to see where their writing skills are, where their listening skills are. So make that into a test. Why don't we? Oh, we need to see how well kids work in a vocational realm. Oh, let's make that a test, shall we? Instead of actually letting them to work and construct something one-on-one in something like woodshop or in a a different job where they can go out and actually get OJT, get God forbid all that. Yeah. And I'm not saying these projects, these classes don't exist, but all I'm saying is we have gone overboard in every direction with multiple choice, paragraphs, short answer, listening skills, writing skills, reading skills. And it's so many of them. And the kids walk out, come think and come, come time for summer. And what have they truly learned? They've mm-hmm. learned how to bubble in a bubble sheet. Yeah. I said it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what are they really retaining from it, realistically, when it's when it's over? I mean, I bet you can yeah. test them again in, in two months, and they won't know anything that you taught them, really. You know, like, it's just going to go in one ear and out the other. Yeah. And there's it's what matters is the data. It's and it's the data because the, the data is brought forward to, you know, the districts, and, and it's showing that this has become more about the business than it has about educating students. They're not students anymore. They're numbers mm-hmm. on some type of line graph that you're trying to assess. Well, how do they do from this year to this year? What does it matter? These are different people in a different time and they're not just data on a sheet. Uh-huh. We don't see the value of what they have to offer to building the country as an individual. Whereas like if we took more pride in our citizens, we did the education, did the healthcare better. We would twenty years. We would bloom like a fucking flower. Like yeah. this country, yeah. this country would really be fucking great again. You know what I mean? Like it's like if you can give me an answer, please tell me. I mean, yeah. 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 If this falls on the wrong ears, I apologize for what I'm saying. But most of the time, they're they're having I bet you, by it too. I bet you we got a bunch of teachers listening right now, screaming, "Praise the Lord!" You know, like they're, they're saying the same thing, dude. They're fucking thinking the same thing. They're saying, "Amen." They preach yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like uh, I can vouch for one that's sitting in another room right here. <laughs> yeah. But oh, it, yeah. it comes down at the end of the day, somebody has to love on them and somebody has to care because, you know, mm-hmm. the one the ones who are loved at home are the ones that come to school to learn. And the ones that aren't are the ones who come to school to be loved. And even yeah. then, you're, you're more than a teacher. You're a you're a, a lawyer. You're a doctor. You are a psychiatrist. You know, I should Father probably have figure. my own little booth like, yeah, yeah, I should have my own little booth like Lucy from Charlie Brown. Five cents, please. Yep. At least I can put that towards my retirement. 
But either way, it, it, I can't answer everything about all this. All I know is I'm one of the workhorses in the classroom, and I'm not going to reach every single kid, but it simply goes down. I try to reach before I teach as much as I can. I try to show them that I'm passionate about the content, and I'm trying to be the best storyteller that I can be because I've always wanted to be one. And the podcast allows me to be the one-on-one storyteller that I've always wanted to be. So teacher by week, podcaster by weekend. MMA fan by night. Is that why you like MMA? Because oh, of the rage, let's like let out that let's rage. Let it all out. <laughs> let it out. It's fucking time. <laughs> Bruce Buffer cueing the, the cage. I'd love cage. to have Bruce Buffer. I'd love to have Bruce Buffer doing announcements for teachers <laughs> coming down the hall. <laughs> it's time. Hold on, I gotta it's... do a three sixty. <laughs> do the do the Bruce the three sixty. Yeah. Take your green screen down. Yes. <laughs> absolutely oh my god the buffer 360 dude you don't get that every day only when joe asks uh, that's a nice little segue right there too if you want to talk mace martial arts <laughs> oh man what are you excited what are you looking for, forward to yeah well as we i wasn't too excited about this weekend it sounds terrible but the main event was uh rosenstrike versus gone and or gain and obviously gain has Not shown that he he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the heavyweights yeah. right now but i don't know if he's polished enough to face people like Stipe or Nagano. I guess I can say even Lewis, I'm man. about. Yeah. Derek, Derek Lewis is knocking oh, heads dude. left and right right now. He's fucking. And that, that irritated me so much. I'm like, Curtis Blades was looking so good in that first so round. Good. But then he did that, that sloppy single shot. He yep. walked right into Derek Lewis doing an uppercut. And, and you got to be weary but, about Derek's fucking hands. Cause I mean, oh, yeah. that's what he, that's what he is. Like Derek is a beast. I follow him on Insta. He's one of the best dudes to follow on Insta. Honestly, funniest fucking dude. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. He's, he's got, hilarious. he's he got really so was. many, like he'll make you laugh once a day, at least honestly on his Insta. But, uh, he didn't say a whole lot in this last interview that was all, I don't know, he was kind of serious at this one. I don't think he really said I think he's got a whole like dedication. Honestly, I, yeah. I see a different I see a different version of him in the last year or two than previously, like, you know, for coming off those losses. But I, I'm a big fan of Lewis, man. Derek Lewis is awesome. Yeah, I think the heavyweight game is obviously the is, lightest. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, if I'm going to look forward to anything, I do think 259 is going to be good since you have three championships on the line. Ooh. But here's what I will say. I'm going to throw one out there. Normally, I don't say mark my words as an MMA fan, but I want to say at least from now until maybe the start of next year, mark my words, at some point, Corey Sanhegan is going to be wearing Ooh. a title belt. I would say that now. Train for him. A lot of people are. I'm not – I have, dude, you know, I don't know like, a lot I'm about him. I'm trying not but. to be. But, you know, Jan and Sterling's going to be a good championship. You got uh-huh. Amanda Nunes and Megan Anderson's going to be a good one. Great, you know, yeah. we have Adesanya versus Blahovich. That's still a very stacked card. But the way that this dude has been coming in and just the hunger on San Higan is something that's of another level. So I'm not sure how soon it will happen, but I think in due time, we're going to see San Higan wearing a strap. How is he on the mic? Like, how is he during press conferences and everything? Because I feel like that's right now what the UFC is like trying to find is the new Conor McGregor replacement. Like, they need the drama. They need like the publicity that they pulled from like pro wrestling almost. Like that idea, the storytelling. To go back into storytelling, like Let me they've ask adapted you that from pro wrestling. Question. Let me ask you both an important question. This applies to all sports. Do yeah. either one of you watch sports on mute? Um, no, no, no. Why? 
I don't know. Audio. I mean, it's probably audio is into, half the experience. Yeah. Like audio is like what also paints the picture. Like I, I, mean, I learned that when I went to a movie and the sound didn't work. And how, how important, dude, if you want to ever see that, look up online, look up movies or TV, like TV tracks without laugh. Look up like the minimal oh, yeah. things. Look up audio, look up movies without the, um, the music track. background. Oh, not just like like just the context, yeah. but no music. Yep. It's so weird. It, right. it adds the drama, adds the like comedy. Dry. It adds mm-hmm. everything. So the commentary matters. Oh, 100%. 100%, dude. That's why Joe Rogan. Corey is, Sanhagen uh, is a pop guy that has to polish his skills. I'm not going to say he's bad. I'd say he's he's getting past mediocre, but he's not on the Derek Lewis level. He's not on the Conor yeah. But you're right. They're looking for somebody who can, whether it is good or bad, to pull in the emotion because that is what respect does not sell tickets. Nope. So many people should be paying attention to Stipe Miocic, the heavyweight talent. Champion, doesn't most fucking people sell tickets. don't because respect doesn't sell tickets. What yeah. sells tickets is the heat between people like Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. You oh, know how dude, quickly the you trilogy. Can make a third go around with those two. You know that would break fucking records. That? that would break records. Exactly. People are dying for something like that right now. Like Poirier and McGregor I, was great, but like, dude, you get that yeah. trilogy going on again. Now, now, yeah. now you get Poirier and McGregor again. Now we've got some heat. You know what I mean? Because that trilogy one and one is just fucking. That's some rocky mm-hmm. shit. Like you just have such a fucking story to work on. One man has Absolutely. beaten the other. The other man has beaten the other. Who will come out this time? The <laughs> final decider. You know, like it's just. It's so easy to fucking portray such an a fucking crazy right. story there. And that commentary matters. So Corey Sanhagen is a guy who needs to work on his mic skills. There's a few of them that I thought were going to be worth something until they fell into trouble outside the UFC, like Mike Perry. I thought maybe (sighs) he could polish some things, but that dude, we can't go anymore. Colby Covington is one that you either love him or you hate him, but this is a guy who imitates too much of what Chael and Connor did. Yes, exactly. Fake as fuck. People are, thank you. They want something fresh. I'm the same. I've never gotten Colby straight. Yeah, one of the guys I've seen that's come fairly close to that is Jorge Masvidal. But Masvidal's a real gone. G, that's why, because he grew up in the yeah. Kibos Lights fighting on the fucking YouTube videos, you know? He had yeah. uh, he had 100 fights before he even touched, like, going into, like, professional fighting. Like, that dude grew up in Miami slamming in the backyards. Like, that's that's mm-hmm. a whole real dude. Like, and that's that's why that Diaz and Masvidal fight was, like, such a big deal. You know, it sucked the so outcome. that's so funny to but, me that... You know, What's so funny to me about Masvidal and Diaz, that B, that BMF title was literally from the mind of Nate Diaz. Yep. Becomes a gimmick belt. The Rock walks out holding the, the Rock. Yeah. Then you have a doctor stoppage at the third round because of the cut. One cut. You can't predict anything in this mm. sport. Stop pretending like you can. You know, I love. I mean, we can predict that cut though. He breaks open on that yeah. eye every fucking fight. Come on. <laughs> Yeah. You <laughs> like guys' tendencies going into the cage. You can know their history up yeah. until that moment, but once they shut the cage, it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. We're realizing that the punches and the kicks and the wrestling and the jujitsu are not enough. Because no. if words didn't matter, then they would have then it wouldn't have mattered so much when Khabib and Connor were supposed to have a press conference. Oh my god. And they wouldn't allow any fans to come in. Yep. Yeah. I mean it's yeah. very telling. So your words matter. And, oh, yeah. there, and there's people who have been very cringeworthy. Henry Cejudo is an idiot who came through and made everybody cringe watching him. But, yeah. I, but he's obviously that dadgum good. We're, we're looking for that next golden goose at this point. And, I, and even mm-hmm. as much as I love Dustin Poirier, I don't know if he has what it takes. He's such a likable guy. It goes back oh, to yeah. the simple adage of respect mm-hmm. doesn't sell tickets. Mm-hmm. I don't know who it is that's going to step into that role. I'm- 
Unfortunately, they need to be like a heel character. Like we need a good heel right now. Honestly, in the UFC, that's what I would say. We do need. We need a heel because Conor McGregor was the heel heel for three years. Steal a heel that doesn't steal Kurt Angle's intro theme and acting like he's done something original. I'm talking about Colby Covington. Is he a great athlete? Sure, he's dangerous. Yeah, we'll get him later (laughs) on. Fucking yeah, no, they definitely they need a heel and. they are definitely watching pro wrestling, like retro tapes, trying to figure out the, you know, and I mean, a lot of these guys are just ripping Connor, honestly, and in shale. Exactly. But yeah. I mean, it, it will happen. They, they, I have no it, doubt one day somebody's going to yeah. break through. You've had the Zufa days. You had the time periods yeah. of the George St. Pierre's and the BJ Penns yep. and the Chuck Liddell's Golden and the Teeters. You've had all that. You've had the Hulk Hogan era. Now yeah. you've had the Attitude era, Stone Cold era in Conor McGregor. That's a good fucking analogy right there. That is a very good we are analogy. Waiting on, we are waiting on the CM Punk era, and we don't know who's going to fill that role. Who is going to be the more modern day hero? <laughs> God, no. He tried that twice, <laughs> and it was not good for him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, Mickey Mickey Gall proved us that CM Punk doesn't belong in the cage. <laughs> Mickey Gall, yeah, he walked him out real quick. That was yeah, like a just, straight edge razor. Do you just think? Cut into I mean, deer in headlights. <laughs> do you think having like this like mentality of like working and training? it sort of instills this personality in a lot of these fighters. That's very it's it's a little bit more reserved. I mean, I know there's the shit talkers out there, but Connor was kind of a standout, it seems like, from the rest of them. Most of these guys, they're fucking training. They're like weightlifting and concentrating on fucking having good form uh, more than like being the best shit talker is like at least what it seems like. Yeah, there, there's yeah. been eras that are kind of hard to you know because during the Zufa days, it just proved that if you have a wrestling background like Matt Hughes and GSP, you're going to go pretty far in the sport. And well, it was it wild. Came to this back era then, yeah. where if you didn't have the mic skills, as good as you might be, mm-hmm. the diehard fans are going to uh, respect you, but the casual fans are not going to be hanging around. Right. It took it's yeah. it took Connor. So there's this era that we're about to go into, and I'm still trying to figure out what is going to be the underlying. Uh, un, you know, current that is going to take this in this direction. And I'm not sure <laughs> who I want to put into that. You know, I really don't. I mean, because one guy who should get more credit than he does is Kamara Usman, but it's just Hell one yeah, of those, Usman, again, Usman, people, Usman. people don't want to give it to him, but he's got, he's got almost as many wins uh, as Anderson Silva. Yeah. But well, a lot of people are comparing a, him to be the next Anderson Silva. Like people like to say that shit, but yeah. he's obviously not, he's a different dude. Like, and they fought Silva right. one. Yeah. You know, Anderson was in a class all to himself. GSP was in a class all to himself. Mm-hmm. Connor's in a class all to himself. Mm-hmm. Even in the women's division, Ronda Rousey was in a class all to herself. Right. As much as I love Amanda Nunes, she has not been the marketing persona that Ronda was. It, it, she nope. just is is a killer. unfortunately. That's really all I mean, it is. Way more so, talented as you know, a fighter, again, but. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to disrespect him because once again, I can't do what these athletes do. Oh, no. Yeah, of course. We're not disrespecting anybody here. I mean, it's more of a commentary on the culture than that. We're just observing the evolution of the sport. I mean, to put it in context, I mean, when UFC began, you know, the the super fights, I mean, it was anything. It was a karate guy Mm -hmm. versus a sumo guy. It was like whatever you knew. We didn't have multifaceted athletes that knew karate, knew jujitsu, knew how to do a takedown, knew how to do stand up. We moved into the Zofa era where Dana White takes control. We start getting athletes that know a little bit about each. We get the golden era. We get like John or uh, not John, like Rampage Jackson. We get the Chuck Liddell stuff like coming out of that. And then we move into this modern, more modern era with the shit talking with Connor. 
We get, you know, John mm-hmm. Jones. We get the Diaz yep. boys. You know, we get these fucking power hitters on the mic. But also, they'll go in the cage, and they will entertain the fuck out of 50,000 people. You know what I mean? Oh, back up the shit on. Yeah, dude. And uh, now, yeah. we're kind of in an absence where we're going back to, like, everybody has respect again. We got a lot of peaceful, respectful fighters. Very mm-hmm. fucking talented. Mm-hmm. But nobody's coming out to do the mic persona. They're not really cutting the promos that are like getting people edgy. Ooh, this is going to be a fucking grind. You know, like there's, there's none of that right now. So we're in a weird yeah. limbo area, I feel like, as, uh, you know, MMA fans. We are. It just is it's one of those. Once again, you got so much talent out there. It's such so a big much. organization. There's never been as much talent as there is the, right now. Like, that's said, what, yeah, it's another and another thing we have to look at is that you are you're finally starting to get some competition in Bellator, but even that is kind of like, you know, WWF and WCW, you still know who the superior is out of the team. Yes. So yeah. it's kind of like and a lot of these other guys who are done. Yeah. People that, are, that have had a stand over in the UFC, they don't, they go over to Bellator and they end up being the very best at the Yoel Romero and Rumble Johnson are already like top of the caliber that's over there. Ah, but, but I hate one thing I like about Bellator is they do actually do the brackets. They do yes. figure out who is the very best one. That's one thing I do like. But again, there's just something, there's an element that's missing at this point. Mm-hmm. So if you're a diehard fan, then yeah, you were getting, you're, you're getting your money's worth when you watch it, but it's one of those, the casual fans are still flocking in for Connor or they're flocking in, in for, we're waiting on what's going to happen if those two are going to go at it again. So my answer to that mm-hmm. is who is going to fill the next, I still think that's what we're waiting on. Who's going to be the CM Punk of this era of MMA? Yeah, yeah. Personality will arise eventually, man. I mean, there's yeah. no doubt it's going to happen. The tides need to term or otherwise, I mean, UFC will become irrelevant and, you know, something like Bellator will step up to signing young talent that does talk yeah. shit on the mic. That's I the mean, right now, thing. That person's people, out there right now. Oh, they are, dude. They're grinding mm-hmm. their ass off. They're training eight <laughs> hours yep. a day, 12 hours a day. Yep. Busting their American ass. American Slackers listeners, whoever you are out there, we're, we're waiting on you. Oh, we got, got some training position. kids out there. You get on the mic. We're waiting for you. Start working yeah. the mic skills right now. Come on the podcast. We'll work you over a little bit. We'll get put you through the runs. Talk some shit. <laughs> Talk some shit. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how this this kind of turns out, you know, over the next few years for UFC. Um, right now, again, yeah, it's just such a stale point. And you got these casual fans coming in that don't love the sport. And then there's not the heat from the McGregor's, from the Diaz's. They're going to be like, what the fuck? This is just like, these dudes are just fighting. And if they don't love that. You're going to lose a big fan base, honestly. And that's what I think we're dealing with. With And Dana's cracking down on crack streams, which I know, which I know, like, yes, from a business owner's standpoint, smart move, right? But what you're doing yeah. is you're just asserting a bunch of fans at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you're, you're going after your customers. You're going after the people that love your shit so much that they're trying to fucking get their, vir- their computer virus like to Reddit fucking watch it. With, you know? uh, like, it's almost like Reddit and Wall Street bets of those guys getting their hands in the cookie jar. It's almost like now, you know, because if you think about it, ESPN has to bend a knee to Disney at this point now. So they're not yep. going to make make it. To, they're not going to get them un, unhappy with anything that's going on. So I understand those live streams. But look what you did to people who are actually buying the pay-per-views. Way to screw yeah. over your main fan base. Uh-huh. And I think they're going to lose a lot of the original fans from the 2007, 2005 era where it was the golden era, you know? Yeah, like uh, honestly, I like I. I'm not gonna lie. I'll, I'll come out right here, right now. I used to watch on a, a not crack stream, but another site. I'm not paying ninety dollars to Dana White for a pay per view. You know, like I'm not doing that. I used to go to the bars and pay cover charges, but like I'm not. Honestly, I wasn't. But gonna now pay. you can't even do that. 
Now you can't even do that because Dana White's got lawyers out there and they're randomly choosing people to fucking prosecute. And mm -hmm. you could end up with a $10,000 fine just for watching a UFC event on a website. Like, yeah, that's are, how are they I wanting could throw this. Yeah. They're wanting I could throw to throw an idea the out there now that might be a yeah. truth to this because this is almost a different segue. I throw an idea out there that there could be a truth. We might be seeing an era where MMA fans are starting to move into the boxing realm because, as you know, we now have this actually a, a fight is going to happen. With Jake Paul versus Ben Askren, and that, well, that that's getting be, weird too. Celebrity fights, I know, it's, real weird. Uh, that comes I, I don't every, know if that's good for fighting or not. Years, every few years. Uh, or so. Well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. If Paul beats Askren, that discredits a lot of dudes that work their ass off in the MMA world because some fucking punk YouTuber, I fucking hate personally. I hate the Paul brothers. Mm -hmm. I fucking will never say their name without saying how much I fucking hate these douchebags. <laughs> Uh, Logan true. should have been canceled forever ago with that stupid video in Japan where there was a dead body and he was filming it. Like, what the fuck is he still around for? Yeah. Sorry. Like, yeah. but the fact that they're fighting grade A fighters that work their ass off to get into spotlight. And I mean, I get the fighter's perspective. He's going to make a couple mil. Askren's going to come out fucking rich as fuck from fighting this idiot. Why not? I just, I pray to God that Askren has enough to put him away in a boxing match. Even though I honestly these celebrity matches are this for is a guy, this is a guy who traded punches with Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler could knock out a horse. All I'm oh. saying is Askren's a competitor. I'm not crazy about the fact that he is in this fight. All I'm saying is I am I'm putting everything I have in this one behind Ben Askren yeah. since it does become a reality. I'm, I'm just too. saying that if you look at it, there's something that's going on in boxing too for you to overlook these great fighters. And then you have this co-main event between – Nate Robinson and Jake Paul, a, a guy who should be remembered for his slam dunk contests, but now he's laying face down on the canvas from a guy named Jake Paul. And then you have this, this match with Mike Tyson. Uh, oh, my it's God. just, it's just, it's painful, but yep. I, I want Ben Askren to win this one with everything I've got. But that all I mean is this isn't the fight that, that really like lays the groundwork. This is the gimmicky the era of that time period. Mm. But all I'm saying is, could we see a different move towards where somebody could step in there with Canelo? Could somebody that would be interesting. in there with Anthony Joshua? I don't it would know. Have to, yeah, but, it would have to be somebody with a hard striking background because, I mean, again, boxing yeah. is so limited. Once you take away the legs and, mm -hmm. and holds, I mean, you're working yeah. with such a limited skill set compared yep. to what you train for. I mean, that's the only issue yeah. there. I mean, it would take yeah, such an elite striker, yeah. you know. And again, we're living off the coattails of Conor McGregor because Conor created this whole fucking thing by fighting Mayweather. Yeah, so. Yep. so, I mean, again. This is just people living off Connor's coattails, fucking trying to follow the winning fucking formula. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's entertaining for us as fuck, though. I mean, honestly, if right. Asker knocks out Paul, dude, I'll be posting that on the American Slacker podcast. It'll be on our Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, it, I can't wait. Like, but if he wins, oh, dude, I'm sending hate yeah. now to Logan House. <laughs> <laughs> or the Paul House, rather. Yeah. We'll, House. We'll, make, we'll make a go. Wrong Paul brother. <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm fucking fuming already or thinking about it. But uh, no, it's a very interesting time. We are. Uh, you can't complain, honestly. Again, the most talented fighters we've ever seen are in the UFC right now. Like they are the most yeah, they are. versatile, well-stacked fucking individuals to be out there competing in a cage. You know, so it's mm -hmm. just, again, I guess it's the, the fans that are into the drama. We're waiting on the one that's going to come along and really ignite the fire again to really yeah, make the trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Big fan of MMA. Fucking always looking forward to what happens in the future for it. Mm -hmm. you know? Speaking of the future, man, what can the people do to catch up with your future activities? Where can they find your favorite blockhead? 
Well, I mean, on, on your all major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, those seem to be the big ones nowadays. If you want to go Google Play, all you got to do is type your favorite blockhead. I guess if I want to be selfish here, go look up the YFB Network page for all the other shows that are on Facebook. That's the most active one. So Facebook, YFB Network, you'll see other shows like Loud and the PNA with Russ, the Ray JG Podcast, Casually Kicking It, and uh, the Burnout, uh, the Tables, Liars, and Gimmicks podcast. So we got several names that are out there that are doing the same thing that YFB is doing. But yeah, you can find me on uh, yourfavoriteblockhead.com slash blog. Yeah, I usually point people to the website, but the blog is where I usually have like all the links for somebody. My last episode was a jazz saxophonist from South Carolina named Zach Sanders. Oh, and he is okay. one of the best jazz saxophonists you'll ever hear. So all his links Ooh. are on the most recent blog. So your favorite blockhead.com slash blog will we'll get you up to date on everything. Uh, Apple, Spotify. Uh, also, if you want to get some t-shirts, storefrontier.com slash your favorite blockhead. You'll find my t-shirts. You'll find also my, my hoodies. Uh, and if you want to go to give me, donate a cup of coffee, you've got Kofi, ko-fi.com slash your favorite blockhead. That's all there. Twitter at your favorite, uh, at your fave blockhead on Instagram at your favorite blockhead. Again, if you look for him, you're going to find me. You can Google me and you'll find me across the board. Hell yeah, man. Nice. Let's get this man to fucking California, people. Yeah. This guy, if anybody deserves to get to Cali, this man sits here. He gives every day to the to the youth of the fucking nation, trying to raise them. Let's get this man to California. Let's get that fucking episode recording you at the museum. If I had <laughs> only gotten on the GameStop stock, I might have gotten there a little bit faster. <laughs> I know, dude. It, Jesse's fucking happen. living in the Ritz with his one stock, dude. He's fucking, he's pulling what? in so much money. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> one share. I'm fucking Bill Gates all of a sudden. One share. This dude's living in the McMansion. I'm Your three cent dividends, buddy. Can't beat that. Everybody's <laughs> <goes, "Woo!" laughs> Love it. Oh, yeah, man. but definitely one day the Charles Schultz Museum, that is definitely the big dream. So one day get out there and do a podcast. We might stay. Yeah. And, and you got to do the, there, you gotta do the cast if you get there. San Diego there. is great. There might be a holiday in on the bay we might stay at, and I'll do a podcast from there. I might oh, do yeah. a live video of our entrance going in. I trust me, your little redhead, the little redhead girl, my wife, will be nowhere in the shot. She hates me on the mic and being on video. <laughs> she avoids it. That's how mine I don't is. Shy too. away from any of it. Yeah, there I got go. a brunette lady that does the same thing. She doesn't like the mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much, man, for coming on. This has been a fucking blast. We had this a lot of great. A lot of good conversations. It's my pleasure. American Slackers podcast. Anytime, any day. Y'all know how it works. Check them out every week. Check me out. Same blockhead time, same blockhead channel. Yep. Notice that shirt. Man's wearing our shirt. Check it out. (laughs) All right, man. Thank you so much. Uh, Everybody at home, catch me real quick. MWG Media on Instagram. Uh, Matty G from HP on Twitch and Xbox Live. Catch these mittens. I'm at Landers the Plane on everything. Come check out me and Matt on Twitch. We're doing some fun things. Thanks again for coming on the show, dude. It's it's been a blast. Hell yeah. Come and everybody listening. <laughs> and everybody listening at home. Thank you so much for listening. And uh we'll see you guys next week. Till next time, that's it. There you go. We're smoking America. America. We passing America. Yeah. I'm mapping America. America. I'm second America. America. We're talking America. America. We blazing America. This has been American Slacker Podcast. You can reach the show by searching American Slacker on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Reddit. Or send them an email to American Slacker Podcast at gmail.com. You can download and rate American Slacker on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and all other podcast platforms. 
Visit the show's website, aspodcast.com, where you will find every episode, official merchandise, and links to their Patreon if you would like to support American Slacker. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. Think about the second set of passing. Man, I gotta go and get it, grab it. Why you gotta go and neck a savage? Smoking weed, I gotta feed the habit. Now I'm on some other shit. Things that I gotta go get. Medical all on my slip. You falling like Domino's bitch. Stuck in my ways, fucking high days, fucking sideways in the driveway. We smoking America. America. We passing America. I'm mapping America. I'm second America. We talking America. We blazing America. This is fucking America. We second America. We second America.